Distributed denial of service attacks. What are the evolving threats and what are the evolving solutions? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about DDoS today with Carlos Morales. He's the Vice President of Sales Engineering and Operations with Arbor Networks. Carlos, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Tom. Happy to be here. Carlos, I know you've watched these attacks closely. What can you tell us? Have the tools that have been used and the attack characteristics changed over time? Yes. In fact, more so than we've seen with any other attack to date before this. I, clearly, the, the group behind this is uh, is both well-organized, well-funded, and, and very capable. They've been using a base set of tools, which we called the Brobot, uh, Kamikaze, and Amos, based on some uh, aspects of the tools, some uh, text within the tools. However, those tools have changed significantly over the course of roughly six months that, uh, that these attacks have been going on, or five months. They've gotten more complex. They're exploiting holes in the defenses of some of the financial institutions that, that are being attacked. They've essentially become intelligent, where a lot of tr- traditional botnet-based attacks tend to be a little bit more brute force, see if it can cause damage, and if it doesn't, well, oh well. These attacks have been shown to actually probe for weaknesses on different networks that they're, they're, they're exploiting and then going ahead and attacking based on those weaknesses. Uh, so we've seen a lot of multi-vector, a lot of different attacks combining both uh, volumetric as well as application layer attacks on different applications simultaneously. We've seen high volume uh, of attacks against simultaneous companies at once, which uh, stresses the infrastructure. And we've seen attacks that are, that are far more subtle in, in effect things like uh, SSL encrypted uh, traffic and other application layer uh, exploits that they're able to, to manipulate and, and take sites down. So, uh, frankly, the attacks have been ever-changing, which is very unusual for one wave of attacks from a, uh, from a particular miscreant. Well, given those characteristics, how would you say organizations can best detect these attacks, particularly at the application level, as you mentioned? Well, that's a great question. I, I think I, the, the, these attacks, and, and frankly, the attacks that have been sort of becoming more popular over the last couple of years, application layer attacks, uh, have proven that a one-tool-fits-all approach doesn't necessarily work. Uh, traditional volumetric attacks were easily detected through statistical anomaly-based means in ISP networks, in, in carrier networks, as well as in enterprise networks, looking for changes in network behavior and network traffic that were indicative of threats. That's not the case for a lot of these application layer threats. You actually have to look down deeper into the packet themselves and look for patterns that are that are deviant from maybe not protocol standards, but actual uh, deviant from a behavioristic standpoint. Maybe doing things over and over that they shouldn't be doing, or maybe taking a, a, exploiting some limitations or some some bottlenecks in protocols and applications. So you have to actually look at packet layer data and apply some fairly comprehensive mechanisms to uh, to detect w- w- the subtle behaviors that are application layer threats. Certainly you get to see lots of different organizations, lots of different defenses. What gaps do you see in how organizations currently defend their perimeters? A lot of the, the perimeter defenses that most enterprises have put out there, and, and governments and others, are really based on technologies that are 10 and 15 years old, firewall technologies even repackaged as next generation, are still firewall. They're still policy-based systems that are trying to detect when something deviates from normal of the spec of of a particular application. So something malicious might hide itself in the application and and fundamentally change how that works 
So therefore, it can get blocked by this uh, by these policy-based systems. Similarly, IPS equipment that have been deployed for some time are also uh, looking at sort of policy-based threats and, and, uh, and deviances that are deviated from the specs of the, of the uh, applications themselves. DDoS is uh, is something that actually falls within the spec of the application. For instance, many DDoS attacks are just simply connections to the TCP protocol. That's normal. It may be web connections. That's also normal. That's, in fact, desirable for a web server. However, they're doing something that may be in a malicious way, like asking for the same thing over and over in a connection to the web server. So it's a normal activity done multiple times, which creates an abnormal strain on the system. So you have to have a different set of techniques to detect and mitigate those types of attacks. That's why the intelligent DDoS mitigation devices were invented, to, to specifically look for and track those types of behaviors that are maybe normal from an application sense, but abnormal from a behavioral sense. Well, if we've learned anything from the past six months, is that the DDoS problem is clearly growing in complexity. Given that, what strategies and solutions do you recommend to customers to defend themselves? Well, first of all, twofold. One is they have to take into account the fact that attacks can be both volumetric, very large, as well as complex and application layer-based. So don't assume that a single solution that says, I solve DDoS, is going to solve the problem. You have to look for solutions that provide focus, approach, that are focused on this problem so they'll, they'll change over time as the uh, problems change and as the types of attacks change. You also have to look for an ecosystem. Most networks don't have infinite uh, capacity to the Internet, which means that eventually somebody can come in and attack them and take more bandwidth than, than is available to them uh, to the site, taking them down. In that case, you really need to have already relationships and agreements in place with your upstream providers to have them aid with the mitigation of it. So taking into account both any ecosystem approach of, of having uh, upstream and, and on-premise mitigation and choosing vendors and uh, solutions that are dedicated to that job as opposed to doing it as an offshoot are really the best practices in this. You've worked with a number of organizations. Tell us how Arbor has helped these organizations to improve their DDoS detection and response. Well, Arbor's been doing DDoS basically since it was founded in, in the year 2000. We, we're a, a pioneer in using NetFlow technology to detect those statistical deviations I mentioned earlier as a means of detecting DOS events on your network. So we've been at this for a long time, and, and we're very micro-focused on this as a solution. If you fast forward to today, Arbor has a portfolio of solutions where we're the only provider that actually has the entire ecosystem of provider-based cloud solutions and premise-based solutions that can both actively mitigate using similar techniques, our, our own proven techniques, but also talk amongst each other to create a more cohesive solution, uh, an ecosystem. In fact, Arbor owns, uh, according to the Infonetics, uh, a recent Infonetics report, uh, Arbor uh, owns 61% of the global DDoS market. So we're very much a proven player in the space, and we have the right solution for different types of organizational needs. Well, bottom line, Carlos, what advice would you give organizations at risk of DDoS? As you and I both know, any organization can be at risk. How should they assess and bolster their preparedness? Preparedness, I think, is the key word in that. First of all, there's a lot of industry best practices outside of intelligent DDoS mitigation that you can use to limit the attack surface that, that's available on your network. Uh, that could be everything from dropping any types of services that you're not actively running right at your network perimeters using ACLs. It could be hardening and maintaining uh, 
antivirus and and, uh, and latest version control on your services. There, there's a lot of things again that, that, that'll hopefully reduce the, uh, the the attack surface to more of here's only the services that I'm actually actively providing to the internet, and then choosing a solution again based on the tenets that I mentioned before, a solution that's going to be focused and solve your problem not only today but in the future. Secondly, is be able to span the full breadth of the different types of DDoS uh, attacks that are out there and be equipped to handle new attacks as they go forward. And thirdly, have the experienced people behind it to be able to help you in the time of need. Because not only having the right tools is important, but having the know-how and having the right people to call is equally important. So really encourage doing some research into what solutions are out there and, uh, and, and who can provide that, that full breadth solution. I think you'll, you'll find that Arbor is very clearly the right solution for you. Carlos, thank you very much for your time and your thoughts today. Well, I appreciate your time as well, Tom. You have a nice day. The topic has been DDoS, the evolving threats and the evolving solutions. I've been talking with Carlos Morales of Arbor. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.